welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Superstars is Danny with your favorite podcast in the whole wide multiverse. Word up with Danny Katz. We're doing another solo show today because this week's guest is not going to be able to make our scheduled podcast interview. It's the second time this person has canceled at the last minute, and it's not even a problem. But here's where the problem inserted itself. 
when he called me this morning to let me know that he'd scheduled something else and would once again need to reschedule our podcast. And I looked at my calendar and said, okay, cool. We could do it in, it was about three weeks. And he was like, oh man, that's too long. Can't you cancel something? And I'm like, dude, (laughs) you've canceled on me twice already. And now you're asking me to rearrange my whole schedule because you want to be interviewed on a podcast sooner. Keep in mind, this person has no job. This person is a trust fund baby who basically flits around the world doing what he wants. And this is one of the things that we're going to talk about today. I don't know. There's, I don't, we'll see how the ordering goes. But in terms of the masculine, not yet being attuned to what is on the feminine's plate and being willing to look outside of itself, its own short-term desires to the bigger picture to honor the other energies and people involved and see, oh, what works best here for everyone, not just me and my preferences. So a lot of this has to do with polyamory, which I have been contemplating again. I mean, I thought that humanity had outgrown this, although I do think that there's value in polyamory um, in temporary stints. But okay, I thought I was done recording, but I, I, I went to edit and I realized that I didn't expound on this part as far as the upsides of polyamory. And I just want to acknowledge them before getting deeper into my criticisms of it. I think that polyamory is actually a beautiful path, a beautiful temporary initiatory path in which to unravel uh, jealousy, expectation, and to really become sovereign and self-responsible in our relatedness. A thousand percent. And, you know, I've, I learned so much from my stints in polyamory. That being said, I think it's like skydiving, you know, like I've been skydiving and there was, there was so much value in standing there on the very edge of the you know, doorway of a moving airplane and summoning the courage to step out of it and free fall, you know, until I pulled the chute. I'm not going to make that my default setting. And that's how I see polyamory. Like it's important to get out of our comfort zones so that we can learn, heal, integrate, and expand those comfort zones. But I don't think for myself and most people that that is a sustainable place to be living, especially as women, totally different for men, which we're about to get into. But for me as a woman, yes, I can see where like not having the safety net of that, you know, defined container is a great temporary place for me to build these other characteristics and these other tools, but it's not healthy for me to live there 24 seven and it's not sustainable for me to live there 24 seven, especially when I have a big mission and I have a big Dharma and it's an energy leak to be spending all of that time managing all of the emotions and insecurities and traumas that come up around it. It's like you can't be in um, 
like we can't always be looking at our shit and healing and healing and healing and healing 24 seven on some level. Yes. But sometimes we need more stability in our 3d lives. And I don't really see polyamory for the most part being engaged in such a way that is an anchor for a healthy, well-rounded, grounded 3d existence, unless you're someone who doesn't have a mission and you just want to spend all day every day having conversations and processing emotions that's not me that's that's not what i came here to do but i just wanted to acknowledge there are upsides to it but it's it's like any sort of initiatory experience it's not a place to be living 24 7. these are experiences to sporadically have um from my perspective to up my game to jettison some healing, to quantum leap. But for me, it's not a structure that I wanna be hanging out in 24 seven on the regular. All right, back to the original rant. I feel like it's a place, it's like an initiatory experience to pass through. Um, It's not really a place to stay and linger. So this is especially up in my life as the person who I had been dating I'd say let me know, but more like let it slip that uh, while he's traveling, he's exchanging energy with other people because he's polyamorous, but he's also reached a place in his life where he doesn't really have patience for long dramatic relationship conversations. Gaslighting much. But here's the thing. If you like, let's put the integrity lapse of the lack of transparency aside. Let's pretend that this person is truly genuinely polyamorous which in my mind just means is wired like a dude right because men are wired to spread their seed as far and wide as possible men are wired for uh more and different pussy (laughs) and women conversely are wired for safety and security which is the mindfuck of this dualistic experience that creator created us to be completely opposite so that when we bond, when we have sex and those hormones are released, women want to hold on for safety and men, while they're probably enjoying it in the moment, are like, okay, what's next? What other flavor can I have? Um, which is ridiculous because it's totally unresolvable, kind of like the whole Higgs boson thing, which is insane that these scientists, I mean, I don't believe that they're doing what they tell us that they're doing, but as though they're ever going to come to some sort of conclusive um assessment of the nature of reality being chaos or order no everything is relative dependent upon our observation they can you know spend billions and billions of dollars and endanger our safety and security in the multiverse by knocking us off our dimensional axis every time they turn on the fucking cern hadron collider but if those people who are supposedly so super intelligent think they're ever going to get a conclusive conclusive answer to this question that they claim is the reason why they're accelerating particles they're a lot dumber than they think they are. Um, the nature of this reality is paradox. So we see that in terms of chaos and order, uh, waves and particles, and men and women. The thing is, is that, uh, you know, as we see with my friend who canceled on the podcast and then wants me to completely rearrange my schedule to get him in sooner without having any um, 
concern for what's going on in my life as a person who's not only working, working several jobs and careers, but also working to safeguard uh, the freedom of humanity while he flits around. Uh, we see the same thing in relatedness with men who are claiming to be polyamorous. So I feel like the polyamory conversation has been completely weaponized. And I feel like it's, I mean, there's so many pieces that are contributing to it. I think that I've mentioned maybe on my first solo podcast, um, the fallacy of ethical sluthood. Now, granted, there are always exceptions. So I'm going to be speaking in sweeping generalities, but, you know, ethical sluthood emerged in, I think it was the nineties in this like kind of third wave feminism that brought us like Elizabeth Wurzel and Fiona Apple and these like kind of sad, skinny, morose, pretty girls. Um, it brought us great, you know, great books to read and great music, but it also brought us this concept of ethical sluthood. And again, like, I, I think there are probably some positive things that came out of the ethical sluthood movement, because if we go back to say like the 50s or the 60s, when a girl would, you know, get a reputation for being loose or whatever, um, you know, for expressing herself in ways that kind of, you know, freaked out the patriarchy. Let's just speak in these gross reductive generalizations. I remember myself, like I've always been what one would, would refer to as a prude, right? I don't, I mean, I'm not really a fan of labels, but speaking in shorthand, I've always been like extremely protective of my sexuality. I've always been um, pretty freaked out by the power of male sexuality. I'm very tuned to that from a young age of how dangerous that was. So I have always erred on the side of being really conservative in terms of sharing my body with other people who I allow into my field. So I'm not going to consider myself the baseline. I started going to Burning Man in 2003. Uh, and my first couple years, I went with my then boyfriend um, and my rodeo grounds like Topanga Canyon crew. And we had super fun. But in 2000, I think it was 2005, um, I went without that crew. Pause for a sip from my awesome black sheep cup. So 2000, I think it was 2005. Could have been 2006. But that year I went um, with an artist who was doing like a huge installation. And so we went up a week early and spent like really two weeks <laughs> doing like hard labor in the deep playa, which was super fun. But it was my first Burning Man that I went by myself, um, untethered to a partner. And so I was able to have like more freedom in terms of how I was engaging men. And I started making out with the guy who I went there with. Um, and it was super tame, like we were just making out. But I also had a little playa romance going on with someone who hit on me in center camp and ended up following me. And we had all these adventures. He was really fun. He actually passed. Um, he's no longer here. But so I was kind of juggling two playa romances. To be clear, I did not have sex with anyone. No clothes were removed. It was like super, super tame. So um, I was at my camp at the time. I was camping with, I don't even remember the name of the camp. It was 
uh, it was a really cool camp from New York. And um, the guy, we'll just call him S because he's passed and I still want to protect his, uh, his identity. So S came to visit me. He came to look for me in my camp. And I happened to also be camping and sharing a camp with the guy who was having another playa romance with, we'll call him B. Okay, so S came to my camp to look to look for me and I was like, oh, let's walk over here. And I kind of guided him over to the outer edges of the camp just to be respectful of everyone's feelings. And we had like a short kiss. So we kissed on the edge of camp and then he rode away, at which point my camp um, dalliance came and found me and, and he immediately found me and grabbed me and gave me a kiss. Some girls in the neighboring camp watch this happen. So they watch me kiss S before he rode away, away and they watch B come up to me and kiss me. And then I heard them say, wow, what a slut. Okay. So for me to be called a slut was like a huge, it was a huge experience. Like there was parts of me that, that was a little bit triggered and felt judged and sold down the river by my fellow sisters. But there were there was another part of me that felt like it was kind of a triumph. Like, wow, look at me being a slut, kissing two boys, you know, within a couple minutes at Burning Man. I mean, for anyone else at Burning Man, I, I think that's really on the tame end of the list. But for me, that was kind of like me dipping my toe into ethical sluthood and having the experience of being really free. It actually didn't work for me. Like, I don't like having two men's biomes in my mouth at the same time without like a palate cleanser. Like it was actually very confusing to me. And this has been my experience with polyamory in all the configurations um in which i've tried it which i think has really been all of them i've been like the primary partner who's had other partners on the side i've been the secondary partner for a married couple whom i dated for several months like i've tried it all for me it all gets muddied in my head like I'm kissing one, but thinking of the other. I'm doing something with one and comparing, you know, X body part to the other, or mostly worrying if they're going to be okay with it, if this is hurting their feelings. Like, basically, I'm not really wired for it. I'm a heady girl. Um, and I think it takes a lot of, like, I'm not saying it's not possible, but to be able to hold and honor all of those hearts and emotions, like I'm still working on being able to like know what I'm feeling and honor what the other person is feeling. And that's really plenty of multitasking for me. Hey, superstars, thank you so much for sharing your sacred attention with me. If you are receiving any value out of my videos, if you are inspired to go deeper into the realm of quantum languaging to learn more about how language programs are subconscious minds, programs are reality construct, and to learn how to use language to program our reality construct for the infinitely more unified, abundant, peaceful, empowered, and fun. I encourage you to delve into my webinars. I have multiple webinars up on my website, I have the language of sovereign authority, I have the language of healing, and I have word up how to empower yourself and the world with your every word.
When you register for those webinars, you get lifetime access, which is awesome because I recommend multiple viewings. Sometimes we can slip into some deleterious languaging habits. It's good to have them as a refresher. You can invite your friends over, have a viewing party. They make for great gifts. You can find the links to those in the link here in, in the about section of this video or on my website, quantum languaging. Dot com. I'd love to support you in going deeper with this work. But I only mentioned the Burning Man thing to say, like, I think that there's probably some value in ethical sluthood. Like, sure, there have been times where I go out and I'm like, you know, wanting the attention and wanting that sexual attention and can feel a certain sense of empowerment in it. But I also think it's a slippery slope for women to use sex as power, right? Like that's, is that real power? or Is that false power to just like, you know, use our tits and ass anyway, from my perspective, and I hold that there are going to be exceptions. I don't see how polyamory um, as a structure is in highest service to women and how most women are wired. Um, now, again, there are exceptions. Like when I mentioned that married couple who I was dating, they were together for 18 years. They were each other's first and only sexual experiences. If that's the case, sure, I can see where it would be very healthy to share different sexual experiences, you know, to broaden that landscape and lens. That makes sense. Um, when you're starting a relationship, I, for me personally, that doesn't really work because I'm more interested in depth. I'm more interested in like, well, what is this container that we're creating and how do our energies like to play? And what is it like when we miss one another and we build that tension and like, what can we do with that tension over a long distance? Um, and how, you know, how much deeper into a psycho-emotional or even a historical exploration can that bring us? For me, that's way more attractive than dissipating the energy and leaking the energy by taking it out to other people. Like, that's just not that attractive to me personally. But I also think a lot of men, like, <clears throat> are using polyamory as <clears throat> a way to rebrand otherwise base <clears throat> impulses that granted we all have you know like if and when i ever shave my shave my head it will be littered with chicken pox scars because when i had the chicken pox in junior high i got them super late i picked all the ones on my head it was like a very base primal indulgence that i rationalized because i'm like oh well no one will be able to will be able to see those scars right it's like scratching a mosquito bite or you know, binging whatever food we want to binge. There's a base like, I have this impulse, I have this desire, I want to do whatever I want, consequences be damned. But when we're mingling sexual energy and emotional energy and heart energy, that is a much more delicate dance. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, get down on men like that's not my intention but i will say this past week for me i've definitely been super disappointed in the masculine and like wondering what it would take for men to think outside their own desires and what it is that they want to extend themselves into thinking about 
their partners, their friends, whoever it is, and like what they need. You know, Miriam and I were talking about this, and I do have a story that I want to share with you. But like, you know, Miriam Hanine and I have been journalists our whole career, and she's really much more focused on the investigative journalist path in, in like a very consistent day to day way than I am. And she's having her own similar experience. And we're just talking about like, it's such an intense time on the planet, right? It's like, humanity is definitely in this kind of evolve or perish moment. And I understand that it's not everyone's dharma or alignment to use their voices to speak out against the, the sham show, to stand for justice, to stand for truth in the same way that I am and some of my other female friends are. But it would be helpful if the men in our lives would have our backs in doing that and show up to make that task as easy on us as possible um, without contributing to any energy leaks. You know, like ideally, I don't wanna be running so much masculine energy. Like ideally in my mind, the men would be handling this. And the second that they tried to lock us down, the men would have stood up and said no fucking way and shut this down early on, but that didn't happen. So I stepped in and I continue to step in and do what I can. And it's fine. I don't shame the men in my life for not doing it, especially the men who are like closeted about what they think or just want to like, you know, have fun and travel and do whatever they want. But if you see me as someone you care about doing what I'm doing, it would be helpful for me if you weren't making my life harder, say by canceling our podcast interview two times in a row and then giving me a hard time when I don't have space in my schedule to interview you for three weeks, like attunement to other people. Instead of saying like, you need to get over your jealousy issues to be able to learn how to deal with what I'm branding as polyamory, but is really just me doing whatever I want. It's, it's like looking at, well, why don't, is there any consideration for my mission and how much I have on my plate? And maybe it's not actually aligned for me to have these kind of energy leaks that for me um, inspire a lot of like looping, distracting thoughts and take away from my mission. And if that's not acceptable, then just bow out and just say like, okay, cool. I'm not really able to show up the way it sounds like you're needing me to show up. And because, you know, I respect you and care about you, I'm just going to pull out of this exchange, right? Just some sort of attunement to what is on our plates and like any support that would allow me and us to rest more in our feminine energy would really go a long way. And also just like being honest with, are you really polyamorous or do you really just want to fuck whatever you want whenever you want and again that's fine free will rocks but let's call it what it is and not try to give it this like spiritual sheen and it feels to me like so much of this polyamory is like spiritual bypassing about like what's really going on um and like a, a sexual energy leak and deficiency that just constantly needs to be acted on acted on acted on and it's like yeah i'm calling bullshit on what we're calling polyamory and also on the women for like who are going along with it if it's really not aligned with you then um how about holding clear boundaries because i also feel like men are getting away with a lot of this like really base 
um, sexual leaking because the women aren't calling them in on it. The women aren't saying, well, then no, you actually don't get access to my uh, sexuality if this is how you're going to roll. Um, takes two to tango, right? So for me as a woman, I'm like, well, this is, I guess, where I can take responsibility. And like, truth be told, because I look at myself, I went into a deep ceremony space over the weekend to look at like what was coming up around this. And I feel like it's, you know, I'm rereading the right use of will books. And a lot of, you know, those books are about like original cause, like original division, original separation that were happening like in the heavens with, you know, God and the mother and the will and how our task at this time is to feel those feelings that those, you know, larger creative entities were suppressing um, so that we can heal and get to the other side. So a big part of what I was feeling was just like, women being disregarded and ignored and like made to feel like we're crazy or too difficult for being emotional like i'm so tired of that yes women are pure emotion and that is wild and that is chaotic and that is terrifying i mean i get it i have a lot of fear around the largesse of my emotions but it's also what has you guys loving us and attracted to us and it is what is really being called for for all of humanity to heal right for all of us to feel our feelings, not blame, not shame, not project, not dehumanize, not say, oh, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist because you think the earth is flat and instead own the experience of like, wow, that makes me feel really uncomfortable because if we don't even know what um, the shape of our cosmology is, then um, I feel really unsafe in this world, right? Like that right there is an example of the healing that we're being called to embody right now. So, you know, part of what I was feeling was just like this larger, I don't even want to call it shame, but I guess it is shame for like being difficult and being emotional and like being upset when I find out that the person who I've been having sex with is having sex with other people. Like, I'm really over that. And I'm at a place where I'm completely okay with me being a wild, emotional creature. And yes, it is incumbent upon me to master my emotions, to not leak them, to be responsible with them. And like, we really need to move past this shaming women for feeling bullshit. Because if we weren't so feeling, then you guys wouldn't be so into us. But the main core that I got to for myself, which was a triumph, was like this teeny, teeny, tiny, little, little version of me. Think of like the Russian dolls and like the teeny, tiniest one just sitting there at the bottom of this like hole in the earth saying, why aren't I enough? You know, and that's me, that's mine, that's mine to be with. But it does beg the larger question of like, are any of us enough? Like, how many conquests do you need to have to feel like a man? How many different flavors of pussy will satisfy you? Or can you maybe come to terms with the fact that you'll never be satisfied and none of us will ever be satisfied, but they're like, larger issues at play when we're sharing heart space in terms of like creating boundaries to make uh to allow our partners to feel comfortable and it's another instance of men embodying this feminine shadow right of men being um overly feminized 
as a result of all this indoctrination of being part of this like, you know, Pluto Libra Gen X uh, generation that is, you know, it is insane for us to come together, given all that we've incurred, you know, we're the first children of divorce, we're the children who are told that men, you know, are unnecessary, we were the children who are told that women can have it all and don't need men, right? So like, there's all that fucking bullshit going on. But it's such a, a, a like, a dropping the ball on your own embodiment of the capital M masculine to think that relationships and love are boundaryless. Like, no, that is the feminine. It is the masculine's job to assess the situation, the risks, the desires, the intentions, and help implement a healthy structure that serves all of the beings involved. That's healthy masculine. Um, this idea of of a sort of like formless, um, completely open, boundary-free love situation is a complete uh, feminine shadow that I'm really excited for the masculine to transcend, transmute, and evolve. No, we need healthy boundaries. Like think, you know, it's like the person who told me that like love should be free and there are no boundaries at all has three dogs who are on totally different feeding schedules and like this high maintenance sleep schedule. Okay, tell that to your dogs, right? You love your dogs. Are there no boundaries for them? Is there no structure for them? No, because you care about them and you care about their survival. Women are no different, right? Like, and every dynamic is different. So it's not to say that there's this like, one, you know, um, like kind of dogmatic structure that has to be imposed on any relationship, but there does have to be a conversation and there, there do need to be some sort of boundaries that honor what everyone needs in the relationship. So for anyone listening who claims to be polyamorous, like, I encourage you to examine that and examine what's underneath that. And like, if it's a, a ruse or rebranding of bad behavior that you're using to get yourself off the hook, only you know, like I'm not saying there's no healthy polyamory. I'm saying for me, I see it being misused. I see it being weaponized and I'm personally not into it. So <clears throat> I mentioned my friend Miriam Thanks so much for tuning in to this latest episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. I am reminding slash thanking you to and for <laughs> clicking that subscribe button for liking, for sharing, for commenting, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As you are receiving any value from my podcast, as you dig it, as you listen regularly, consider supporting me on Patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And 
As you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging, coaching, and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, you can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo, where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rockin' day. See you next time, superstars.